0: heard a lot about this uh, show, the ex-candidates.
1: This has been a pretty thorough interview. <laughs> because you really to These institutions which we've been told to respect and trust are actually completely untrustworthy. Have you confirmed that you're negative before attending tonight if you are unvaccinated? I still see people with masks on and driving and they're in the car by themselves. So you can pay my electricity bill, you're thinking, that was spared. We're teaching them about what it means to be a pansexual instead of teaching them how to do your taxes. It's not for
0: I say no to the voice. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Ex Candidates. My name is Stephen Tripp, joined as always by Adam Zara. How you going, Adam? I'm pretty good, Stephen. How you going, mate? Very well, thanks. And uh, how how have you been this week? This week's been all right. I'm starting to really, really feel the pinch of the, uh, I guess, the cost of living starting
2: to really catch up to me as well. Um, You know we. Just tradies working, you know, six seven days a week, and then the work started to slow down. So now you you know we're all starting to feel it, and um, you know no one's immune from this. So we need to really see why. I I just keep saying to people, why are they going away from coal when it's um, the cheapest, most reliable form of energy that we have, and it's abundant in Australia? Um, So you know, and people seem to really kind of like a, yeah, why are they doing that? You know, like most in, in most most cases, I mean, I'm just in a small town that we all work pretty hard. We're all blue-collar people, and um, they're all kind of like, why are they doing these things to us? So that's what we talk about. But anyway, I'd like to say to um, our viewers, welcome. And also check us out on Rumble and Spotify. Make sure you um, subscribe. And um, we want to hear from you as well. So if you have any questions that you'd like us to ask our guests, Please just um, put it in our comments and our messages and things like that. We're all totally findable on social media at the moment, even though we do get uh, cut out and then, what do you call it, shadow banned and whatnot. But, um, yeah, find us and and talk to us, please, because we have the opportunity to ask amazing people, just like our special guests we have on tonight, um, to, um, you know,
0: ask the questions. And on tonight's show, we have an actress, author, and the host of the White Rabbit Podcast, Nicola Charles. How are you tonight, Nicola?
1: I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for coming on. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. Can you give us a little bit of a background of uh, who you are, if people are not aware?
1: Oh, gosh, I don't, I don't really talk about who I was before the scam pandemic. It, it's strange because it, they, they've really managed to brainwash us into thinking that what we were, what came before doesn't matter. So it's quite strange. But, yeah, as you say, I was um, a, a, an actress and a model for 30 years. I'm pretty old. Um, I've written four books. Um, I had a small Australian boutique publishing company, which helped me publish my books because some of the content, which was obviously telling the truth um, about my childhood and in particular um, an incident of childhood sexual abuse that occurred to me, um, was a bit tricky for publishers to publish. So someone had the idea, well, why don't you just become a publisher and then you can publish it? And I was like, wow, what a fantastic idea. And so I helped other people who had quite raw stories themselves in Australia publish as well. Um, I was on Neighbours off and on for 15 years playing Sarah Beaumont. That's probably where most people know me from. Um, And then uh, just prior to the uh, 2020 election, well, actually around 2016, I guess, I was supporting Donald Trump online in a world that I believed was uh, free with freedom of speech and freedom of thought and freedom to debate Um, I went to university and did a business and finance degree, and I was taught to think critically, think logically, um, and think freely, and that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. And so I said, as Donald Trump was leaving just prior to 2020, I said, um, I think it was early in 2020, I said, thank you for being the best president for America in my lifetime. And just a, a, a tidal wave of hate came my way. And, of course, this whole um, Orange Man bad thing had started. I'm a fan of Orange myself, as my, <laughs> my watchers of my podcast will know. Um, and it was really strange. And so my life sort of pivoted in that moment. I got deplatformed from Twitter, um, an account I'd had for 11 years, I got, which was just Neighbours fans. It was just innocent people. Most of them in the U.K. were on the dole watching a soap. Um, I got deplatformed from YouTube, which was crazy. I'd been on there for as long as YouTube existed. I got deplatformed. Was this just
0: from the one comment?
1: From the one comment to the outgoing president. Oh, wow. I got deplatformed from Instagram. Um, I was put on an 18 month ban on Facebook on my own account. And um, I had to reemerge on Twitter with like 24 followers and try and contact everyone because it was very sneaky. And, um, basically I was canceled. I was disappeared. It was like a Sopranos moment where it was like, we'll just snuff her out. She doesn't (laughs) exist. You know, you see sometimes in these drama shows, I'm an actress and I read the scripts and, you know, in these, in these films that are about the CIA and stuff. And they're like, you know, if you do the wrong thing by us, not only will we get rid of you, but you will never have existed. That's what it was like for me. And so then of course, um, Having been a conservative all my life and believed in the military and the police and government and um, all those kinds of things, I started to think, hang on, do we not have democracy? Do we not have political freedom? Because if we don't, what's happening? So then I started trying to find out and then COVID hit and I realized very, very quickly, hang on. All the dominoes that used to be in a row have just been knocked over and something else is coming. So that's that's me in a nutshell really, and I've managed to reemerge now. The thing was I still I kept being stupid, you see, I didn't learn my lesson. I didn't <laughs> I didn't fall for my Chinese re-education quick enough. So what happened was is I tried I try and come back as Nicola Charles or I came back as Cha Cha Charles. Uh, Cha-Cha actually being a a nickname that I have for a certain part of my anatomy. So I thought that would be quite funny. And then I came back as Nicola again, and I got cancelled and cancelled and cancelled. And then I thought, um, what if I came back as the white rabbit from Alice in Wonderland going down rabbit holes? Would I be able to exist as a rabbit if I never say I'm Nicola Charles and I have 128,000 followers? So that is categorically... Yes, you can be a rabbit, but you cannot be Sarah Beaumont from Neighbours. So that's Brian. Yeah.
0: Do you think it's like if this all just came from the one comment? Do you think that you were already on a list, or right. yeah. they already yeah they already had their eye on you?
1: I think they had their eye on me. And I think, you know, the first people to be cancelled, to be flagged, I guess. And, 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 you know, it probably was with AI. So we all think, right, that AI is sort of emerging yeah. in 2023. I think we're quite foolish. I think AI has been around for a very long time. Um, and so um, I, I think liking Donald Trump put me in that first category of, okay, so we don't agree with her. She's got different views put them to the side. So they started getting rid of all the Trump people. And then even when I reopened these little accounts, which didn't last either on Twitter, but I was checking in with everyone, I could see that Twitter itself was becoming sort of an echo chamber for leftist politics. And, you know, I believe in listening to everyone. You know, like I said to you guys, there's no question I won't answer. And I started to notice things getting quite personal and quite nasty. You know, I'm middle-aged and I I got quite famous when I was sort of in my 20s. And, um, you know, people would tell me that I'm old and I'm ugly and I'm an out-of-work actress and I'm a failure and that I'm fat and my kids are ugly and like all this personal stuff started. And I thought, hang on. I've met some soap fan trolls in my life, but there's a new breed of something going on on social media. And then, of course, when the COVID thing hits, um, it changed to from Trump supporters to people who weren't buying this information. And then when you've got people like Jacinta Ardern saying, we will be your single source of truth, I felt yeah. a little bit like I'd gone to sleep in 2019 and woke up in like a David Lynch movie. And it still feels like that. People still message me every single day. On social media, behind the scenes, secret social media like Messenger, where we're allowed to talk, um, and, and they say um, it, it's getting worse. It, it's getting worse by the day. It doesn't feel real. It's getting more evil. It's getting more sick. It's getting satanic. You know, pedophiles. And and, and they ask me for the answers, and all I can do is. Pick through the research that I do and obviously I can only focus on one thing at a time yeah. um, and I'm just me you know I'm, a, I'm an actress or a former actress a writer a radio host a podcaster with a business and finance degree who did not expect like anyone else to have to know the terms for uh, gain of function or vaccine research or um, you know uh, labs in China and all that stuff and so we've all had to get like a master's degree in this stuff in the last three years. And I feel like I did that because I lost my radio job because the studio got shut down and it was sponsor driven and it never recovered. That was on SEN. And, um, and I thought, "Mm, I'm on the skids here. I'm on the out. So rather than, you know, sit there and bake cookies, I thought, (laughs) I'm, I'm going to, my favorite thing is, is detective shows, right? Mysteries. <laughs> so I thought there's a mystery going on here. We're not being told everything. Yeah. Um, as an actress, it was like looking at a script and you've been shown the first half of the script and you've not been shown the twist in the tale yet. And I knew the twist in the tale was coming. I could feel the build up coming. And of course there are multiple twists in the tale um, so I just got my head down, bum up and started researching. And my first interview um, was Cal Blair, who's the former police commissioner for Victoria. And he was a friend of a friend. And it was early in 2020. And I did this. I did like a Zoom interview with him as a podcast. I thought, oh, if I'm not on radio, I'll do a podcast. And one of the first things Cal Blair said to me was about Dan Andrews locking everyone down. He said, all I can say, Nicola, is this, the former police commissioner of Victoria, he said, all I can say is this with regard to Dan Andrews, absolute power corrupts. It always corrupts, and absolute power is corrupting here. And I thought, we're screwed. Dan Andrews wasn't even on my radar until that point.
2: No one knew who he was until the lockdowns. No. Uh, well you know i grew up in new south wales and i didn't even know i couldn't have even told you who dan andrew was until i even became a candidate for you know the federal election um so it was pretty wild um all that kind of thing you did mention something about um about scripts and analyzing scripts um so as an as an actress and you know having a lot of script experience um has the news been scripted can you see the script in the news. And and I've never, and there's a clip that Joe Rogan did not long ago and it was like of all the news, and this is America, we're Australian, but in America and all the news um, channels were saying that pretty much the same thing word for word. So is that scripted?
1: <laughs> well, of course. I mean, we've all seen that clip, right? Where it says, um, you know, they're all saying it together like 360 channels saying, you know, it's dangerous misinformation, da 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 da. And they're obviously working off a script. Um, You say script. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a great comparison. It is, in essence, um, in its truth, it is what we mean when we describe propaganda. Okay, so what they're telling people and what they're reporting and they're doing it over and over again. If you think about it, I was talking to my children about this yesterday. Um, We don't watch, I don't watch and never have watched any TV commercials, so I very rarely watch anything live um, because I can't fast-forward through the ads. I haven't seen a commercial for five or six years, way before the pandemic. Um, But if you do watch commercials, you know, um, you can't look at the big M without thinking in your head, I'm loving it, right? And you can't can't go past... um, Hungry Jacks without thinking the burgers are better, right? Yeah. Because, and I, I did sixty TV commercials as a model for everything from cars and chocolates and holidays and and makeup and all kinds of things in the UK. So what they do is they bombard you. That's what a TV commercial is essentially. It's brainwashing. That's why they call TV programming, right? So what you're doing when you watch TV ads or even in the UK, they say, oh, we love the ads in the soaps because then we go make a cup of tea in the kitchen. You know, we can hear the ads, but we're not really paying attention because we're making a cup of tea before part two comes on. Well, you may not be sitting there looking at it, but you're still being brainwashed because you're watching this stuff over and over and over again. Now, think about what we've been subjected to for the last three years is the same story. Now, Klaus Schwab himself, who suddenly appears out of nowhere, like, who the hell is Klaus Schwab? Why should we listen to you? That hasn't been explained yet. Exactly. Where's your white cat? Um, That's
0: right.
1: <laughs> you know, says, um, we, we my, my, half my family are German, we are weaving the narrative, you know. Well, you know, I'm a writer. If you're weaving a narrative, you are telling a story. And I can totally understand why they are telling that story and they're sticking to their story because A, they've committed a crime and B, in the absence of masses of book burning in the future, they're not going to want their own children and grandchildren and everyone else because they want to continue to live in this world to look at them and think, was my dad, Hillary, mom, (laughs) were you involved in a global genocide here you know, was it? Because I remember Scott Morrison, right? We were COVID, 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 and he was on the outs. And it was, and you know, Scotty from marketing is a perfect description from him. That man can literally sell tea to China, right? So, you know, he can't. He's all smiley. He looks like a farmer. You know, rosy cheeks. He's ever so relaxed. You know, but he was always in that position where you know there's like soldiers all around him because all you could see was two pillars and two flags, and you never knew where it was, and you never saw anyone else in the room. But he was like, COVID, COVID, COVID. And I looked at him because, you know, he's on the conservative side of politics. And I was thinking, come on, Scotty, you know, sort this shit out, do the investigation. Because initially he said, we're going to find out where COVID came from. That went global. Oh my God, Scott Morrison in Australia is trying to get to the roots of COVID. And he was like a global hero for like five minutes. And then while he was doing COVID, 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 he literally suddenly stopped. And I found it quite clunky for him. He was a good public speaker he'd stop mid-press conference and go, right, now we need to look at climate change. And I think, hang on, (laughs) old people are dying in care homes, right? We've got to stand 1.5 metres apart in the supermarket, and now you want us to worry about climate change. Mm -hmm. And for months and months, maybe over a year, I started to think, why are they Why are they so close together? Well, obviously they're ramming through the agendas. That's one thing because it's about control, and I'm sure you know that. But also, if in the future you're future-proofing for you, your kids and your grandkids, and it does sort of escape that you were part of a cull of humanity, then you could always say, couldn't you, I did it to save the planet.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I think that's part of it
1: right the planet it was either them or the planet and we were in charge we were the top one percent we had the infrastructure and the money to do it and we had to save mother earth i think i think that's where they're going and i actually think if they're not totally mad and not totally evil i think they've actually convinced themselves of that i really do
0: yeah i want yeah. to take you back just something that you said about the trolling that was really interesting you kind of only went half into it when you're saying that the trolling picked up around that time that you were supporting Trump do you think that was coming from like do you think society shifted in a mindset or do you think that was coming from AI bots
1: I think it was both I usually because it's happening to me again now and it's because I'm pushing back against the voice of parliament and it's really feeling similar to the Trump time in the sense that I would say it's 30 to 40% disgruntled people and you can tell you can tell by the way they write and speak. I'm very sensitive to the way people write English. You know I am English, I'm a writer, and I'm very sensitive uh, when I see um, how they phrase things, uh, whether they're a human being or whether they're AI. Um so I'm looking at what they're saying, and I can tell when what they're saying is genuine or if it's been created by AI. Now, some of the AI programs, I don't know if uh, Mr. Andrews borrowed them from his friends in China, but they are very, very personal. Like they're very, very raw in their attacks. They're never trying to make an argument back or debate with you and say, no, 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 that's not the case because of X, Y, Z, which is something a human would try and do because humans generally Uh, want to be validated, right? They want to be right, but more than anything, they want to be heard and they should be heard on both sides, left and right. AI doesn't care about being validated or heard. AI just wants to injure you. AI wants to invalidate you. So when you can see that they're going for injury and invalidation, it's AI. When they're firing back and going, you know, how can you say that? Trump's a misogynist and, you know, all this other stuff that comes out. You think, okay, that's a disgruntled person, so I'll hear them out, you know. I won't block them, but I'm blocking AI left, right, and center. And the weird thing is, and I guess this is just the way particularly Twitter is set up, still under Elon, is you will block an AI with, you know, two followers that has a certain picture and a certain name. And when it comes back at you within hours, sometimes minutes, it's the same, but the name is just one letter difference. Yeah. So that's how you know, because people don't tend to operate like that either. So it's getting creepy out there with AI as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah. So you brought up the voice so we might as well dive into that first because that's a massive issue and it's going to be a massive issue until the referendum later in the year now fair australia brought out this clip uh it was about a guy called thomas mayo i'm going to play it now it's about an hour uh, it's about not an hour sorry a minute and a half <laughs> Hello, <Joe>. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> No, a minute and a half, but I think it's worth uh, watching the whole thing. So we'll just bring it up oh, and uh, we'll Mayo. play it now. Okay.
1: okay. who stand with me on this stage I regard as giants. Thomas Mayo. Thomas Mayo. Thomas Mayo. <laughs> written a handbook called The Voice to Parliament Handbook. All the details you need. Thomas Mayo is a signatory to the Uluru Statement from the heart, but was also entrusted with the physical document. Mayo is part of the referendum working group. He I spent
0: 18 months travelling around Australia to garner support for an Indigenous voice department.
1: And I tell you what, we are sick of governments not listening to our voice.
0: We are going to use the rule book of the nation to force them. There is nothing more powerful... Then building a First Nations voice, a black institution, a black political force to be reckoned with. Keep going until we change the system, until we tear down the institutions that harm our people. And also to pay respects to the elders of the Communist Party, who I think, uh, without a doubt, have played a very important role in our activism, you know, this is the first step. It's a vital step. Pay the rent, for example, you know, how, how do we do that in a way that is transparent and that it actually sees reparations and compensation to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people? The power in The Voice is that it creates the ability for First Nations to go forth with um, coherent um, positions on what legislation needs to be created, what legislation needs to be amended and punish
1: politicians that ignore our advice. This is a modest request. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yay, oh, well, communism! The first, just
0: the end of day. Hey. all right. <laughs> well, it, the, what, what Thomas Mayer is basically putting forward is goes against the narrative of what the, the Albanese government and the Yes campaign are putting forward, that it's just a modest request. It's just going to be a, a voice that... Have, a, it's just going to be an advisory body. We don't want treaties. We don't want reparations. And here's one of the architects behind it. He... he uh, helped write the Uluru statement and, and signed it, and travelled the country for a year and a half to promote it. He's he's laid it out, laid it on the line. What the what what he's hoping to achieve?
1: Okay, I think we're moving into dangerous territory with Mr. Thomas Mayo in the sense that I feel he is uh, Barack Obama and Kamala Harris 2.0, whereas we're not ever going to be able to criticise anything this man says because he's Aboriginal, okay? So this yeah. is the weaponization of minorities. It's exactly what they did with Black Lives Matter. In fact, we're a couple of years, a number of years behind uh, how they how they worked on that in America. Um, interesting what he said about communism. I've never equated Aboriginals and communism. Um, it's interesting that he said he was going to use the rule book of the nation to get everything they wanted. Well, there's another rule book of the nation that we've all been living by for years and years, and that's not being considered Um, but I've had some interesting conversations in the last 48 hours because I addressed this in a clip. It was either yesterday or the day before. I think it was only yesterday. Um, I have these moments where I wake up at 4 a.m. and the light bulb goes off and I'm like, yes, yes. And um, the reason it went off is I was recalling, I guess, in my sleep because I love Australia so much and I'm so concerned about what's happening for all of us. I see everyone as Australians, aboriginals, non-aboriginals, British, Italians, Greeks, my husband's Greek. Um, I consider us and have considered us all Australians, you know, the way Americans considered everyone Americans until they were told, oh, no, you're not all Americans, you're horrible people. Um, and so we're, we're reaching that point the way they did with BLM where, you know, by virtue of just being born non-Aboriginal, you are a danger to society. Um, you're in debt to the Aboriginal people. Um, and I think it's really dangerous. And the reason I woke up thinking about it is because I've recently, just on my own, and I didn't even really focus on it in a podcast because it was quite depressing. This was before The Voice, Right. Sometimes I'm a little bit psychic, maybe that's why I did it. But I was looking at other stuff and I stumbled across some horrific photographs of how um, the original um, Brits, the Europeans that came here, um, not only brought the convicts, um, who they also treated horribly and badly, but that they also chained up the aboriginals, right? And they were taking their orders from the UK, from the Crown, Um, and that it's crown and governments and, you know, they're saying, oh, well, you know, it was a captain of a ship and he was told to do this and he was told to do that. Here's how I see it, and I saw it the same way in America. The people that owe reparations are the governments, and in the case of the aboriginals, it's the crown. All right, let's make no bones about it. There are no Australians, multicultural as we are from anywhere in the world, who's ever, um, yes, that's me. Who has ever committed any of these heinous crimes against anyone, never mind aboriginals, right? We we just try and work hard and get ahead. And we were told Australia was a country um, where we could do that. However, the newly crowned King Charles III has inherited an empire, and with that comes responsibility and consequences for what that empire has done in the past, for the behavior of that empire across the planet. Now, we've had instances where governments have apologized for things like the stolen generation, so that they're they're taking on board that they were responsible for that, that that wasn't the Australian people. And yet, all of a sudden, all of the crimes committed against the Aboriginal people, which when you see them with chains around their necks, and there's a picture which has now been scrubbed from the internet, I've got it somewhere, I'll have to find it, where one of these guys coming off the ships had a child, an Aboriginal child in a bush, and he was bash him over the head with a big, long rifle. Um, You know, we're now going to be made, we're going to be labelled with this guilt for something we didn't do. And sure, I do believe that um, certain peoples are due reparations, but you're looking in the wrong place, right? These reparations are due from the Crown, they're due from governments, and they've got lots to make reparations with. Now, um, i'm I'm quite near to La Trobe, where I am in Victoria, and there's masses of Crown land. Um, and this is something I'm talking about on my podcast. I've talked about this for years now, two years. The government has been either selling off or leasing off in Victoria in La Trobe, crown land to massive Chinese logging companies, right? So they come mm. in and they, they build these massive pine forests with these enormous pine trees that we're told is for paper. Really? In a world that's going digital, we're told it's for paper. I think it's probably for furniture for China and America. I don't know. Um, and what they do is they treat all of the land. And don't forget there's other farmers, regular farmers, and there is a massive reservoir there in La Trobe as well. They treat all of that land, that crown land, right, governed by the crown, with grunt 750 and 1080, which are two of the most noxious agricultural poisons known to man. They stay in the soil for 15 years, and they're designed to kill all native plants and animals. Yeah. All deer, wild dogs, um, foxes, uh, wombats, kangaroos, wallabies, all of them dead, killed birds, so much so that if a fox eats some of this stuff and dies and a bird pecks at the fox, the bird will die. That's right. how strong the poison is. Now, all of the farmers contacted me and I went down to one of these Latrobe Common Law Society meetings, which if you can ever get to one, they're usually in Teraug, and They're absolutely amazing. 400 farmers in a room with videos proving to you what they're saying. Now, all of that crown land is being used for revenue, right? And I understand, use it for revenue. The poisoning is disgusting. Where are the Greens? Where's the Animal Justice Party? You people are just a name on a piece of paper, so you Mm -hmm. can sell your vote. You do nothing about it. Now, if you want to make reparations to the Aboriginal people, why don't you give them your crown land? Give them massive swathes of crown land to build farms and townships. And let's see if they can raise themselves up the way we say we want them to. But you see, that's not really the purpose of this. Because when Klaus Schwab and the rest of them talk about equity, they're not talking about raising up black people in America or raising up the Aboriginal tribes in Australia. They're talking about taking the rest of us down. So what they do is they use these groups and these people as a lever. And these people think, great, this is our time. We're going to get reparations. You know, there's Black Lives Matter people in court in in America, in um, uh, San Francisco, and they're being promised between 2 and $5 million each, even though none of them have ever been slaves. And I can guarantee you now, none of them are ever going to see one single dollar of that money. So I think pretty shocking that what we're seeing here is like a carbon copy of what they did in America and luckily we've got awake Aboriginal people um, who are calling this out people like Josephine Cashman now I know she she can get on a high horse I get it but thank god someone like Josephine Cashman sees what's going on
2: yeah why not just we, we we know Josephine Cashman through our trails on the campaign trail and um yeah so she was always somebody that we um wanted to be able to speak like her to be honest with you she was a really yeah. good speaker and really well researched as well so that's good so I, I sorry have you, noticed,
1: have you noticed all the women in this pandemic who've come forward it's been a lot of women not that i'm saying anything against the guys i'm just saying i'm noticing a lot of women even in the uk are stepping forward and going okay enough is enough because i think their instincts as mothers and stuff their protection instincts are like you know the flags have gone up and we're like yeah no something stinks here
0: yeah, and there's yeah, a lot of women saying, where are the men? Why aren't the men standing up?
1: Well, you guys are here, thank God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll, We're two peas
2: trying to, you know, break out of the pot, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
0: But uh, you brought up reparations, so I just want to play this clip. This yeah. was of uh, Anthony Albanese, uh, you know, when he won the election and, and got up on stage, and this is the first thing that he said right. in his victory speech.
1: I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we meet. I pay my respect to their elders, past, present and emerging. And on behalf of the Australian Labor Party, I commit to the Uluru Statement from the heart in full.
0: Now, the important part of that clip is he said he commits to the Uluru Statement in full. So these people saying that it's not about a treaty, it's not about reparations. Well, it is because within the Uluru Statement, uh, obviously the first step is... It says, we call for the establishment of a First Nations voice enshrined in the constitution. Now, they want to enshrine because they've had oh. things like ATSIC in the past that, you know, have new governments come along and abolish these things. So they want to enshrine in the constitution so they can't abolish abolish it anymore without, I guess, another constitution, uh, sorry, another referendum to, to get yeah. rid of it. But after that step, they want something that's called Makarata, which is an Aboriginal term, uh, basically... A treaty—it's another word for treaty yeah. in in, Aborigin, in, you know, in Aboriginal language. So, it's it's right there in the Uluru statement. And Albanese says that he's going to bring it in full.
1: Mm. Well, I think there's another interesting thing that he said in there that we've all been saying for years. Um, and I've worked in in my uh, non-media, non-famous life, trying to scrape by in the pandemic like everyone else. I moved into an area I've never worked in before and I've become quite good at it. I'm quite proud of myself. I moved into digital solutions. And um, in digital solutions, I was project managing uh, webinars and conferences and and all kinds of events where we would um, need to do a welcome to country. And it was fantastic. And Anthony Albanese himself does welcome to country. And my question is, what changed? Because in the welcome to country we say thank you to the original custodians of the land. We don't say thank you to the original owners. So that's something they've flipped on its head and changed as well. Because if we'd all been told from the UK and America and Canada and Germany and Ireland and Italy and France and Spain and Greece, all these countries that came to Australia and made a life, if we were told. That we would essentially enslave ourselves, which working, as you said, Adam, five, six, seven days a week is because you're away from your kids, away from your loved ones. There's no work-life balance. There's just work, work, work. Yep. We were told that if we enslaved ourselves for at least five days a week and work full time, that we could build wealth, that we could have a home, whether it's in a suburb or a little plot of land somewhere and, you know, grow some tomatoes, that we could have that. And yet what we're seeing now, because this uh, is such a long agenda and a long plan from the UN and the World Economic Forum, is that all the while they were giving people mortgages and allowing them to work full time and paying into pensions and selling them, you know, petrol chugging four by four vehicles Mm -hmm. and V8 cars, Mustangs and everything else. Mm -hmm. All the while they knew they were going to bring the hammer down and rip it all back from everyone. Now, that is so malevolent. That is so disgusting. You know, there's a reason why people say that these behaviors and the things they're doing is satanic. Because to have known all that, and I say now on the podcast, if you've got enough money, if you draw your savings out, you can go down to a car dealership tomorrow and buy a massive car. You can buy American cars here with, you know, six-cylinder engines, a massive, you know, truck. You can buy gas guzzlers anywhere you want if you've got enough money. They don't care about this stuff. They're not giving up the oil industry. They're not giving up any of it. Um, So I don't believe what they're saying about this, the voice to parliament. And I don't think we should because what's been proven is over the last three years in history, everything they've said to us is a lie. Everything is Mm -hmm. propaganda. Everything has um, an agenda. They love that word agenda, don't they? Um, And we're we're not seeing what this agenda is. Now, they caused a lot of problems in America with Black Lives Matter, which, of course, now we've all found out. They stole millions of dollars. They stole the money. They bought fancy houses. Uh, We know that George Soros was weaponizing and arming with bricks on the corner of streets, um, Antifa. And so here we are. They're trying to cause trouble between peoples in Australia. Now, what that says to me is. Australia has a lot of something they want. Now, if you look at the tiny, my husband works in construction. If you look at the tiny postage stamp houses that they're building everywhere in a country that's underpopulated, where you can't even put a circular washing line in the back garden, you stand at the back door and stretch your arm out, you can touch the back fence. I drive past them. I can't even believe people pay half a million dollars for them. Um, what they want from Australia is land. And, you know, it's not because they want all this land to to grow lots of food and sell to us for a very high price. They want to mine Australia. They want to mine it for the rare earth minerals. Now, there's a funny meme I saw today on Twitter. Twitter is a wealth of knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely have a master's degree in Twitter. Is a guy um, charging up his little electric bicycle. You know, you see them around the city. Uh, you don't see them in the countryside because no one's that stupid because everyone's doing 100K down the lanes. Uh, <laughs> but um, they're charging up their little electric bicycles, and then the picture takes you to the charge station, and, you know, the charge station takes you to the massive electricity cables. Some of them are huge near me in the countryside. Um, I, I won't tell you the name that we have for them because it's quite rude. And um, mm-hmm. and then, it, of course, it goes back to, as you say, coal, right? So it's just ridiculous that they're putting on this mirage of being green. You know you've got the wind turbines, they're confusing the whales. Whales and fish are beaching themselves. Um, then you can't recycle them. You can't recycle uh, solar panels. They go to Africa, and then small children climb around with these filthy chemicals to pull out a bit of copper or, you, know, something else yep. that they could sell for a handful of rice. None of this is green. None of it's good for the planet. None of it's good for humanity. None of it's good for people. And I tried to explain on the podcast the other day, the reason they're not backing down on this climate agenda and the climate line, sorry, I know we've gone on from the voice a little bit, is, is because this isn't private companies trying to sell the climate lie to other private companies. This is exactly the same as the World Health Organization treaty with Bill Gates, right? In the sense that, the reason the climate lie has to be perpetuated is because all of these private companies, and I saw them on LinkedIn for years and years. I left LinkedIn last week because, honestly, it turned my stomach how brainwashed everyone is. I can't look at it anymore. So I left LinkedIn by choice. I wasn't platform from there. Um, mm-hmm. Is These private companies are manufacturing all this green infrastructure, which is, you know, essentially for me, it's like um, a DeLorean car. Right. Even these cameras at the traffic lights, I have a vision, my little psychic vision of like weeds growing out of them in 15 or 20 years time. Like who's at base camp? Who's in the control room? Why do you want to know where we're going? Who cares if I went to the butcher? Um, And um, they're selling, you see, to governments. So Bill Gates worked this out a long time ago, and he's over there at the World Economic Forum with Klaus Schwab. And they realize that I think they've essentially exhausted And same with the banks. They've exhausted the amount of commercialism and selling that they can get rich from on this earth. And there's only one avenue left that they haven't raped and pillaged. And that's our GDP. That's our our taxes every year, right? So the World Health Organization Treaty and the production of green stuff for the climate line is all tied in to forcing governments to use a percentage of um, their, their uh, budgets every year for this stuff. The World Health Organization Treaty is an enforcement that 5% of GDP then goes to the World Health Organization or to their pharmaceutical companies. So then you're, you're it's enshrined that you have to give your taxes to these other people, essentially these private individuals, these private companies and these banks. But yeah. we can never get out of it, right, because it's enshrined. And so, so then it's... they can stand on the podium and say, we can't, we can't rebuild the schools, we can't do the bridges and the infrastructure, and look what just happened to a bridge in America, because we don't have enough money because it has to go for the treaty. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, and it's just basically working, it's basically a way to get everyone to be in slave labour. Yeah. Just like, the, yeah. you know, when the Egyptians built the pyramids, those guys weren't getting paid, but they were working like dogs. It's the same thing. By tacking the taxes that we pay and going after, as you say, GDP, it's yeah. basically we're all working for nothing. So what yeah. happens is our, our income we pay, you know, most of our income goes to taxes anyway, and um, whether it be through income tax or through taxes, you know, excise taxes, carbon taxes, petrol tax, whatever it is, right? Yeah. So that all goes, It all it's all going to them anyway. So now they've got to get their grubby little hands on it so that yeah. our emperors are making us work for nothing and we will be building again the pyramids but i also yeah. think as well is that you say that they want the land and what's in our land yeah and i do agree with that because i can't remember if it was on one of your podcasts or it was another podcast that i listened to but they had been de and i think it might have been they had been devaluing uranium since 19 since 1903 or something They're like that. that so they've
1: been doing that with silver as well yeah
2: so it's been so basically uranium before they started devaluing it was um, the most expensive commodity on earth. It was more. It was worth more than gold, because think about it. It's it's eternal. It, it produces energy. It's um, despite what that's probably the greenest energy that we're ever going to get. Wow. Um, so what happens is, I think you're right. They're going to cre- change our infrastructure and make us pay for it through taxes and from our pocket um, for this energy. They're going to convert it to energy that doesn't work because we already know that green energy is not going to work, fake renewables. Um, and then what they're going to do is then they'll go, we've got the answer for you. After, especially, don't forget, Australia has a third of the world's uranium. Yeah. So now that they're going to have this communist treaty of the Voice to Uluru Statement, I, I just, I really just hate this whole concept. Yeah. Um, and then what happens is they'll um, be able to bypass parliament and the people to get their grubby hands on our uranium. Yes. They'll yeah. pillage our land. And then they'll make us buy back our electricity that we can produce for nothing here. That's, that's, mm-hmm. what, that's my thoughts on The Voice. That's what it's about.
1: Well, we sell a lot of our coal, most of our coal, to India and China, right, so that billions of people can burn our coal. But us little underpopulated 26, 27 million, million. not billion, we're not allowed to build, burn coal. Oh, my God, you're terrible. You're going to have such an effect on the planet. Um, And you know what, you're right, because they've been playing fast and loose with uranium for a long time. I don't know if you remember, Hillary Clinton was instrumental um, during the uh, Barack Obama um, administration in selling 51% of U.S. uranium to who? Russia. Russia. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Um... So 51% to Russia. And I thought, oh, gee, uranium mustn't be very important anymore. (laughs) Well, and then she was all Russia, Russia, Russia. Shortly after that,
2: I feel like, but I think I think I'm not going to worry about buying any sort of shares or stocks in in gold or silver. Yeah. I think uranium is where we have to be investing our money. To be honest with you, because and lithium, um,
1: right? Lithium. They want lithium. that lithium. They're obsessed with lithium. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah but i think i think i reckon i i'm no economist at all trust me i get all my fun, i get my financial advice from mr Tripp over there <laughs> and he's like and he's like and he's like buy silver oh i'll take you we're going to buy but um, but he's but i think um like if my money's on uranium i think that the i think the rich i think the the 1% percenters, the global elites mr schwab and all those people i think they yeah. want the uranium and I think that they will—they'll do anything to get it because that's going to—that's going to be what you said. If they can't sell us anything anymore, if they can't—if they've reached their their cap of how many trillions of dollars they can make, oh. there's one thing left, and I think it's going to be energy. And and like you were saying, and then I think it's going to be through Nanny. uranium. And then they yeah, will, they, will they own it.
1: They've already said, right? We just found out now, America sanctioned lab-grown meat. And where do they oh. take this meat from? A biopsy. From the animal. So they say they do a biopsy of a chicken or a cow, or it's a chicken in this case, and then it's going to grow. Well, I I heard some horrible things about how they grow that, which is on my Twitter at AllBiteNobark88, if you want to have a look at that. Um, And I heard that from a very reliable source. But imagine if we haven't got all those farms farming for food, and you only have to look at what they're doing to the Dutch farmers. That leaves massive swathes of the countryside open for what it's it's either going to be mining or military bases or probably both it will probably be mining with a military base at the top i would say um and so yeah they will herd us all into these 15 and 20 minute cities i mean we all know now that the climate hoax the climate lie has no legitimacy i mean australians god bless them have been doing their own research and i'm rapidly trying to share it as they're doing it that australia is already at net zero because of the mature trees, the 24-odd the billion mature trees and the millions of mature mangroves in Australia, nature provides. Nature has always provided. And so what I think they're going to do when they're getting us to eat this fake meat and lab-grown meat, and they've got to clear the land, right? But they don't care about animals because, you know, oh, be a vegan, it's mean to eat chicken and steak. That's not what this is. This is definitely a land clearance. Think about cattle. They told us about cow farts. We all got obsessed with cow farts. It's absolutely ridiculous. As if horses and sheep and pigs and chickens and humans don't fart, right? Is that why we're being cold? Because we're always farting? Like, seriously. You know what I mean? It happens to all living things, including the 1%. Um, I really don't think that's a reason to be cold. And, and we've definitely seen videos of, you know, cows where they're trialing something, the way they've trialed stuff on us where, you know, hundreds of cows just dropped dead. Um, but it's always something nefarious, isn't it? And I think if they throw Mother Nature and our ecosystem out of kilter to that degree where we're not being supplied by the land. Because we, and, and, and I'm as far from a hippie as it's possible to get. I'm a, I'm a proper conservative Brit who now does not like the government, which is a bit strange. But anyway, um, <laughs> but um, if, if we are at one with this earth, right? Whether it be with energy, with electricity, with, you know, the fact that we take in oxygen and expel carbon dioxide and trees take in that carbon dioxide and expel oxygen. <laughs> Us and trees are literally like a circle. We keep each other alive. And yeah. I think if, if you knock out the kilter of the planet the way they're trying to, because They don't want mother nature anymore. They've never liked anything natural. They tried to push organic for a while. That's gone all out the window now. Even Prince Charles, uh, King Charles III, sorry, who was all organic, Mr. Organics for years and years, now wants genetically modified food for the people of Britain. There's a reason they've done this sudden about face. And it's in business, I would call it like bait and switch, right? They got us all into a lovely, cuddly, comfy place where we were buying fair trade coffee so that kids weren't picking coffee in South America. We were buying organic food and and eggs off farmers and stuff like that. And I felt we'd got to a really good place of harmony between um, buying directly from farmers in the countryside and still nipping to your supermarket for your pasta and all that kind of stuff. Um, And they've just come along with a sledgehammer and they've knocked it for six. Now, this is not going to have a good effect on humanity, the planet which they claim to want to save. This is not just going to hurt humans. You know, if they have uh, injected the vast amount of people with mRNA, which we're still learning about, and nothing we've learned about it is good. Now, humans pee that out. They pee that out into the ocean. That we do know. There's no, you know, massive sterilizing tool in the sewage pipes. You see them on the beach. That goes straight out to the ocean. We don't know what it's doing to fish. We don't know what it's doing to whales. We don't know what it's doing to sea life. And they don't seemingly care because when you poison a large amount of um, anything biological like us or animals, then that goes out to the oceans. And so they're starting this now. I don't know if you heard, but the UN, I just discovered in the last few days um, from my political correspondent in Florida is working on using maritime law against us to enforce climate change treaties and lockdowns in 15-minute cities because they're going to use, like, the president of Vanuatu and people like that because ah. you know, the sea is a little bit warmer right. and it's a little bit higher and, oops, we had a hurricane, which, honestly, yeah. Bill Gates could make happen in his lunch break. So <laughs> I've got friends in Florida, believe me, they tell me the weather is not natural compared to how it used to be. Um, So they're going to knock it all off kilter, right? And then what are we going to be dealing with? You know, we had the earthquake in Victoria not long ago. I lived in California for seven years. I experienced shaking earthquakes. I experienced rolling earthquakes, which is when, you know, the car park of a supermarket just looks like waves on the ocean. Um, That was extremely disturbing. And it goes on and on for a few minutes. So, you know, you're not dreaming. But this one in Victoria felt like an underground explosion, it didn't mm-hmm. feel like a shaking earthquake in California. It didn't feel like a rolling earthquake. It felt like something deep underground had been exploded, and we had the reverberation, and there were no aftershocks the way there are. There was not yeah. an hour or two hours and there's another rumble rumble, or rumble rumble, and they get less and less and less, and you can feel it going away. It was just one massive explosion that shook the house was the sound was just extraordinary. Someone described it on Twitter, the sound, and it was perfect, and I should have screenshot it. Um, I can't remember. It was something like a steam train coming headlong for you. That is exactly what it sounded like. I was very worried. Mm. My husband had gone to bed, and I was about to go to bed. I was literally sitting on my own on the couch. My kids got up the next day and knew nothing about it. Lucky them. But, like, what are we doing to the planet? What are we knocking out of kilter? Yes, they might want less people on planet Earth, right? I, I I I can see that as an argument. I don't believe it. I believe planet Earth can hold as many people as we want it to hold because there's huge swathes of planet Earth that are completely uninhabited. Um, But I think for for my money, someone like Bill Gates, and this is a strong statement I'm going to say now on your podcast, I think someone like Bill Gates is an eco-terrorist because I think harm's done to people. We exist in, in the ecosystem as well. Harm's done to people, harm's done to animals, harm's done to weather, harm's done to water that people drink, putting fluoride in it and stuff like that. Cloud seeding, chemtrails, whether you believe in any of it, they've admitted to cloud seeding. They've been doing it for years. Um, You're knocking things out of kilter. And if this planet decides she's not happy with what you're doing, what did this planet do last time she wasn't happy with? what was happening apparently if that's to be believed we had an ice age and every living thing was finished so is that what they're looking for an ice age is that what their underground bunkers are for
2: well I agree, I agree with you there Nicola because honestly I think the planet will decide so what happens is we could like you were saying in your point there we could have as many people as we wanted to we could cover every square inch of the planet with people And then when it got too much for planet Earth, then planet Earth will decide. There'll be tsunamis, there'll be earthquakes, there'll be volcanic eruptions, eventually leading probably to an ice age, which we're already halfway through the the warming cycle. So we're heading into a cooling cycle anyway, which, you know. And then I've heard you mention before on your podcast as well about Bill Gates, you know, reflecting the sun rays back up to the sky and um, we're going to end... The sun's the, the the creator of all life on Earth, and we're trying to reflect it back to itself. Like, why would we want to do that? So, um, yeah, I think if we're gonna if we kill all the animals and all that kind of stuff, they need to grow meat because we're all gonna need meat to survive, even if it is fake meat grown in a lab. I don't think they want us all dead. They just want a good slave population, and um, they would have to feed us somehow. And if they wipe out all the animals, how are they gonna do it? Well, they'll only need one animal on a frozen, in a frozen, take a biopsy from it, and then it can grow us all the meat in the world they want from us, or for us.
1: Absolutely gross. And I'll tell you something else. Even though I've become, you know, they, they call people who speak the truth conspiracy theorists. And, of course, all the conspiracy theorists came true. So that's not really uh, wearing <laughs> very well anymore. But you know there is a little conspiracy theory that I've always fantasized about that we might not be alone in the universe. And um, I can guarantee you this now, if they are telling the truth about what they're spraying into the sky being reflective for the sun, and I don't believe anything that comes out of that man's mouth, I'll be frank. But if that stuff is reflective and we now shine like a little piece of tinsel in the universe, God help us, because that could potentially look like a signal to something somewhere. We're glistening away, and we weren't glistening before. Now, if anything, we know about scripts and stories and movies and and the universe and space travel um, is that if something looks like a beacon that someone is trying to communicate with you and send a, a distress message, right, an SOS, what would it look like? A planet that wasn't reflective and flashing before, flashing. Yeah. So thanks, Bill. <laughs> Cheers.
0: <laughs> yeah but you brought up conspiracy theories and they just throw that term around for people that they don't want them scraping beneath the surface they don't want people researching they just want it. they just want people to consume the narrative listen to albanese when he says things like then voice is just a moderate uh, a moderate request and you know the, it's not going to be that bad as what everyone makes out but when you start digging you find find out all these things it's the same thing where you mentioned about australia already being net zero well there's a quote that i've read on the podcast plenty of times about from Ian Plymer where he says basically the same thing that the Earth is they never take that into consideration how much the yeah. Earth absorbs carbon dioxide they only focus on what that. we're putting out there yeah <laughs> but I want to shift gears now because we could talk yeah. about all this stuff and voice for forever but uh, we're going to shift into a little bit of technology now and <laughs> there's this article here from Rod Lampard of uh, Cauldron Pool uh, we'll have reading Rod stuff because he's he's always across across everything but this uh this guy in america he had his whole house shut down uh with his amazon smart home for a week after a hate speech hate speech allegation now apparently he didn't even say anything and he couldn't work out what it was all about but uh apparently his amazon smart home system said that he'd said something to a delivery driver and just shut everything down
1: Yeah, so he's got that front door thing that Americans are really a fan of, and you can buy it in Bunnings in Australia now. I was horrified when I saw it. So it's called the ring thing. I'm I'm not trying to promote it. I think they're hideous things. It can be hacked. It's smart. So basically, uh, the grubberment or um, nefarious people. According to Australian military bases, cameras can be hacked by China. So let's assume the Chinese government can then look at your front door camera and know exactly who's coming in and who's coming out. And the first time these cameras came to my attention was when Anne Haish had her very suspicious car crash and people's ring cameras had captured her car going down the street at a fair old lick and you could hear that she had her foot on the brake. And it was screaming. The brake was screaming. And that's so sad that the car then drove itself at high speed. So it would suggest the car had also been hacked. Um, And, um, yeah, so this guy's ring camera has an automatic greeting, right? And you're not in control of the automatic greeting other than selecting one. So this guy selected... um, Hi, can I help you? If you have a package, please leave it today, something like that. And then um, this person who delivered the package, um, I, I don't know who they were, they, um, they said that a racist slur had been said, said to them through the automatic greeting system which of course the whole reason we're going automatic in this world i would imagine is so that everything's woke and rainbow and cuddly anyway Mm -hmm. can't imagine anyone programming something insulting i mean i might try and do but i don't think (laughs) anyone else would but um you know just step off piss off back up buddy i've got to off (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah so then um the the amazon and I'm, i'm not quite sure it must have been amazon controlling all the smart stuff in his home Um, Mm. Shut down his life, basically. And apparently he was locked in. He couldn't get in. He couldn't get out. He couldn't call for help because the phones didn't work. uh, The TV didn't work. The alarm didn't work. His curtains wouldn't even open. Like they literally. And what is that? Right. You're imprisoning someone in their own home at the flick of a switch. And this was always my concern when it came to smart. Anything, Because I don't know if they're doing it now, but I can tell you in the future, all your smart appliances, including the smart meter on your wall, which Dan Andrews says is mandatory, um, are reporting to someone, probably anyone, who's stumping up all the money. Imagine that, stumping up all the money. That's why I've disconnected my Foxtel. I don't have it anymore in the main house. Um, Because, A, I didn't think their programming was very good. Sorry about that, Foxtel. But also, it spoke to me last week. So I was having a conversation with my husband and all of a sudden my smart television with Foxtel on it interjected in the conversation and said, um, could you say that again, Nicola? I didn't quite catch it. Oh. And I, it was such a surreal moment. I felt like Sigourney Weaver and Aliens. I felt like something... <laughs> Something had come round the corner that was so unexpected to me that I had to, like, turn on a sixpence and think. And instead of standing there and going, what the bloody hell was that? I just I really did think on my feet. I just stared at the television. And I said, close. Do not listen. Do not speak. And it said goodbye. Wow. And I said, like, how often is this smart? I never wanted a smart TV. I knew I shouldn't have bought it in the shop. And it's been listening the whole time. And who gets that information? And I can tell you now, if my smart TV has been listening to me and plugged into the internet so I could stream, which it was, then I'm on several government watch lists already. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I had something. I, I I think I'm going bald. So I was talk, I was yeah. saying to my wife the other night, oh, you know, am I going bald? Can you check to see, you know, if my hair's thinning out? Next minute I'm on every social media, Instagram, Facebook. I'm getting constant Hair, uh, you know, yeah. thing, ads and and you know, you know, grow your hair back and take yeah. this shampoo and all this. I'm like,
1: they're listening.
0: It's so scary. It doesn't it is, work. <laughs> <laughs> very doesn't virile
1: work. is what I hear. Men who lose their hair are very virile. That's what we say in the UK. No, well, I had that. Well, too. that's, uh, yep,
2: that's,
1: that's what we are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, my, my husband and I don't charge any phones or laptops or, or iPads or um, any, have any tech at all in our bedroom aside from our electric blanket, which I guess could be listening to us, which, you know, we're old farts now. When it's cold, we like our electric blanket. Um, and I was talking about waking up one morning with backache, and I said, I really think we need a new mattress, right? There's nothing in the room. Yeah. And then I, I, we got up, and we made no decision about the mattress. But I, I did the same thing, uh, Steve. I, I logged onto Facebook, and for the next week, it was offering me all kinds of mattresses. Yeah. And I was yeah. trying to get my head around it for the longest time. like, And and, and that, that actually is what started me turning the Wi-Fi off at night and unplugging it. Because yeah. I thought, if there's no devices in the room, we, it wasn't a loud conversation. Is it just the Wi-Fi that can listen in every room? I wouldn't put it past these people.
2: Well, would you? Well, you wouldn't know that your little NBN modem or whatever it is in your you know your modem that you connect to the wall. You wouldn't know. Unless you opened it, if there was any sort of listening device or video camera or whatever's in it, it could be. It only needs to hear what's going on.
0: Mm-hmm. I reckon it a, was my phone, my, my iPhone, that was picking but it, it up.
2: Look, you know, speaking, you know, we're speaking to an actress, and we've got the and there's, you know, nineteen eighty four. Surely you've seen it. Oh.
1: Um.
2: You know, like that. That there's a scene very close to the end, and um, there's the, the camera behind, or listening device behind the 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 uh the, the picture. That they didn't know that they that they, that they didn't know was there. Yeah. So um you've got the two lovers kind of doing their little thing that they're not meant to do and then the then the, the, the police come in and the thought police come in and that's where you get the famous scene of you know two plus two equals five not four and all that kind of stuff and it yeah. goes into that that thing. And when you said your story about the foxtel listening and the foxtel that little red light beaming yeah. in you yeah. know that's 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 scary. That's scary thoughts. I'm I'm glad. It's like how? It's
1: it's the computer how? It's like, are you having a nice day today, Nicola? Um, (laughs) You know, it's a very, very very dangerous thing. And I don't think, I think the young people are particularly vulnerable. You know, I'm actually very grateful that I'm not young at this period in history. I um, have older teenagers, so I, I worry about my kids. Luckily, they're pretty smart. But I don't think the young people realize, I mean, I'm pretty grateful that selfies and, and smartphones weren't around in the 90s because I partied hard in Melbourne when it was a good party town <laughs> and I was on television and I had to be snuck out of many a nightclub with a friend's coat over my head because I was absolutely plastered and the rest of the waiting. <laughs> There's no evidence. You can't, you can't confirm any of it. Um, it's just stories. And, um, but I don't think the young people realize that selfies were, um, were were an engineered thing by the CIA, because when you're looking at yourself, they're looking at you. So when you take a selfie and you're doing your constant image and you're constantly aging in, in your various places, whether you're out with your friends and, you know, you've got your friends in the photo as well um, – you know, Facebook, that's what I believe. That's why Facebook was invented. There's videos of Zuckerberg working with the CIA. There's videos of Bill Gates working with the CIA talking about aerosol, aerial vaccinations, and it's from, like, yes. 1986. And he was saying he could aerosol, aerial vaccinate radical Muslims in the Middle East and stop them being radical, and they'd become, become all lovely and peaceful. So, you know, this stuff isn't conspiracy theory. There's truth to so much of it. And people have been holding up their phones and doing selfies forever. I do it. I do a little video every day or I try to for Twitter and I sound off about something. But, well, you know, we're doing well, this right now. Yeah, you're looking at yourself, right? But they're also looking at you. I've got a HD camera that I just got for my computer now. It's looking at me. And the first time I used it for the podcast the other day, halfway through the podcast I'm mid-sentence it goes and takes a photo of me a still (laughs) and I'm on the podcast going oh my god my camera just took a
2: still
1: (laughs) Xi Jinping has my number let me tell you
2: I reckon you're, 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 you've told us a few stories now where you're kind of like on this list because, you know, yeah. we know about shadow banning and, and yeah. black banning it's us probably. all on
0: social media and stuff like that.
1: Hopefully that. we're not
0: guilty by association now.
1: Well, well probably so. <laughs> <laughs> No, I do think, I mean, what if, and this is a conspiracy theory, but they don't seem to be being used for anything, you know, these quarantine camps that cost billions and never got used, they are not a million miles away from a Chinese re-education camp. So like um, what are they for? Like and there's also gas pipes going into them and they have no kitchen. Uh, I'm not well, am not a builder, but that's a bit suspicious.
2: Hey, we called like we called them out early on as well. Like well, well I did we because we we're all campaigners, you know, we've been campaigning for One Nation and all that kind of stuff and all that kind of thing. Love and that. and yeah, well, um well, hello. <laughs> no, this is—he's the—he's uh, the hes a federal he was the federal candidate for uh, Warringah. Nice. I was a federal—I was the federal candidate candidate for Macarthur, nice. and then um, Stephen was the upper house candidate for um, New South Wales in the last state election, and I—I yeah. I ran for um, Campbelltown in the state election. So we're all involved with all that. You can see that we're heavily against the voice and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. But yeah, it's been a, it's been a crazy journey and we just um I've lost my point now cuz I started talking about politics. That's, that's uh, good
0: cuz I'll jump in cuz I want to ask a question that's kind of popped in my head and right. it's a, it's a shot in the dark so I don't know if this if you're going to have the answer for this or not but okay. yeah, I, you you brought up like you know how it was when we were growing up and I grew up in the 90s and it was a you know it was a good era and you were on TV from the mid 90s but you also you had that period of neighbors in the 90s but then you came back in the in around 2015 if i've got that right did you notice a difference at all in the messaging of the show like they they talk about the you know movies these days they all have to have this you know the message you know but these you know influences that go into the movies and they have to have certain quotas on this on the blah 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 did you notice any difference between your time in neighbors the first time around and then when you came back the second time around
1: yeah so the first time around, which was between uh, approximately 95, 96 to 2000, it was all sex, sex, sex. So I would go into the wardrobe department um, and I would, everyone else had their, their rack with their clothes on and I'd go over to Sarah Beaumont's rack and there would be a tiny yellow colored mini skirt like this big. And I'd say to the wardrobe mistress, are you serious? And um, she said to me, darling, they're paying you for your pound of flesh. Put it on.
2: Uh,
1: (laughs) So, you know, there was lots of Sarah flesh around. And thankfully, I was lovely and slim and in my 20s. Then I went back in 2012 to 2013 and 2016. And I did notice a big difference. And actually, I highlighted it at the time. And I didn't realize when I highlighted it how poignant it would be with regard to the pandemic. And it cost me that role because they've never had me back since. I know it's because of that, because the publicist rang me and went nuts at me on the phone. And that was when, in 2016, they gave my character stomach cancer and that she was going for pioneering treatment in Germany. Mm. Now, you know, it's a good role to play. I'd actually just lost a very close family member to cancer. So I was a bit fragile and I thought, well, this is good because I can um, use that for the role. Okay, this is quite opportune timing. Um, And then I realized when I was back on set, and you can see this everywhere, particularly with the British soaps. I realized when I was back on set that anyone who was, well, mostly women is the way I framed it that was over the age of 30, 35 was very sick. They either had stomach cancer or breast cancer or a brain tumor or MS. Um, And so all the characters, um, apparently Mrs. Kennedy still is living with her MS and she has no ill effects. Um, But I had this day where the publicity department had put me onto 15 UK radio shows in one night. And so it was nighttime in Melbourne because of the time difference. And by the time I got to the last radio show, I was ro- I was so tired. It was like doing a red eye. I had jet lag sitting in my house in Melbourne. And um, they said, oh, you know, what's it like, storyline? And I'd said the same thing on 14 other shows. And so I said, you know what? I think it's a bit weird that all the women who are over 30, 35 are sick with these debilitating cancers primarily and MS." And all of the men who are over 30 are fine. They, they don't seem to get any illnesses. And I didn't realize that this was all the beginning of pushing illnesses on people who were getting younger and younger and younger. And soaps, you know, in EastEnders in the UK right now, they've got a young girl who's got like a, a 10-year-old daughter, and she's like the prettiest girl on the show, and she's dying of a brain tumor, and it's been a slow, horrible death, and they've been ringing it out in the most upsetting way. Um, They've got a guy who is HIV positive and living with HIV, and he's done massive speeches in the local pub about don't treat me differently because I've got HIV. And what they're doing is they're slowly bringing in big pharma and illnesses and the accepting of mass illness into soap operas. And I noticed it back in 2016. And I believe that was the moment where, where I sort of lost that role and wasn't invited back. I mean, another kid on um, EastEnders in the UK, um, they, they've been pushing this character for months because he's not very bright. And they're like, you must get tested. You've got ADHD. It's fine. There's medication for this stuff. All you have to do is take your medication. And then, you know, all the scenes are about big pharma They're constantly saying to the HIV guy, you know, have you taken your meds? How's your viral load? Like, what?
2: Your viral load.
1: Viral load. And then it came into my head. I remember Prince Harry and Meghan Markle saying it's your civic duty, your duty as a citizen to get tested for HIV. And I thought, well, this is going to be interesting when Granny, who's 70 and has been single since her husband died 10 years ago, suddenly contracts HIV. Mm Mm-hmm. After vaccination, um, so that's that's going to be that's going to be quite interesting. And so, yes, I do see a, dis, a difference because these soap operas are now being used for their propaganda, right? And it, it's mm-hmm. unacceptable, and that's why I've disconnected and switched them all off.
2: Well, because so yeah. I was going to ask that question. That's a good question, Stephen. Because I was going to ask: Is Hollywood and basically the film industry being used as a weapon? to, uh, you know, program us, which obviously you just answered. So thank you very much well, for
1: that. There's, there's, there's two things that Hollywood has been used for, for programming. Um, I'll, I'll just tell you them really quickly. So the first one, uh, the Hollywood programming was um, uh, land of the free, home of the brave, freedom, 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 um, uh, be proud, you know, look at Independence Day, look at Top Gun, It was decades and decades of indoctrination that we love our country to get them to the point where they could pull the rug out from under and and, and tell them all to change sex and all that kind of stuff. And the other thing that Hollywood did, and you only have to look at an actress like Natalie Portman, and I realized this years ago when she was a child, and I watched her in a a French movie about um, freediving, and she was 12 or 13 years old at the time, and she was the sexualized character in the movie with these two ah. French guys and she had a little cap on and she used to sit with her feet dangling out of her apartment window and she used to flirt with the guys and she'd even drink wine with them and stuff. And she was 12 or 13 years old. And um, yeah, so what, what they've been doing for a long time is sexualizing children yep. and also, you know, psyop everyone into feeling comfortable that the FBI would sort it out, the CIA would sort it out. Look at TV shows like CSI. It's saying you can't get away from us, right? We're in control. We'll get you. We'll get DNA on you. And by the way, DNA and fingerprints and all that stuff, which Barack Obama says he wants on the digital ID, that stuff is not safe. If your digital ID has your birth certificate, your passport, your driver's license, your fingerprints, they can be screened printed, copied and placed at absolutely any crime scene. So by placing all of your information, your DNA, your health history, your weaknesses, your Achilles heel, your fingerprints online with government full government access, privacy has gone out the window. You're a sitting duck. If you don't agree with them about something, they could turn you into a serial killer or a child killer overnight. And they'd use their media to try you and convict you on television.
0: Yep, no one's safe anymore. <laughs> it's getting very scary, but we're getting towards the end now. There's a lot that we could discuss with you, but we uh, we probably should wrap it up. But before we go, I just want to ask you one more question. And it's, uh, it's it, this kind of struck me as a little bit strange. So I just wanted to ask you, did you put this out on Twitter. And he said, let me make a bold prediction. Robert F. Kennedy will be the next U.S. president. And you, you go on to, uh, to list some reasons why. And the last one is that he's one of them. Now, I've been following what uh, RFK has been saying. And I've quite liked what he said. Me too. Uh, do you want to I enlighten did. me why maybe I should think differently?
1: I'm not trying to make anyone think any particular way. I've just seen a lot of footage and done a lot of research on him because he's likable. Um, you know, yesterday he released a little clip of himself shirtless doing weights on the beach and being spotted. I don't know if any of you guys saw that. And so he's like a hero. He's not like out of shape like Trump. Right. Yeah. But here, here's, the, here's the two things I don't like about him. A, he's a Democrat. And for me right now, the Democrats are an absolute cesspool of corruption. And everyone says, oh, yeah, but he's going to sort them out. No, there's no sorting out. These people are so powerful. And, 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 you know, he could be in danger as well, like the original JFK, right? And I wouldn't want that either. But E, I believe he was one of them because uh, he is massively on board with the climate line. Yeah. So he will spend years and years, well, he'll spend until 2024 calling out Big Pharma. He was set up for years prior to be the guy that got Big Pharma. He came out of nowhere Um, Because he's got his voice issue, he sort of uh, makes you feel immediately sympathetic towards him as well. Mm. So that's another reason to get chosen. Um, But he's very on board with the climate lie. He believes in it wholeheartedly and that he believes it's man-made. So for me, that's a massive red flag because you can't be as intelligent as Robert F. Kennedy is and say something like that publicly, and he has multiple times. (laughs)
0: And and believe that it's humans causing climate change. <laughs> yeah. But to play devil's advocate, couldn't you say Trump pushed the vaccines?
1: Oh yeah, I'm not happy with him either. <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, I, I'm I, look. I know you guys both hail from politics. Um, I have um, a real fear that uh, all democracy can be circumvented. And as I said in my podcast the other day, that doesn't mean that I want a dictatorship or totalitarianism or communism, they are all hideous as well. Like we we cannot live under that situation. But I question whether any of us have democracy for one simple reason. And until someone gets into politics and fixes this, it's never going to change. Even if you get your guy that you love into office, whether it's America or Australia, and even if he's a good guy and he's not a communist, great, fantastic. What then happens is the lobbyists arrive. And who among us can say that when they come over and try and convince you um, to make policies this way and that, and it's worth 50 million to you, 100 million to you, in Scott Morrison's case, a billion to you? Everyone is corruptible. So these lobbyists, then with their special interest groups, which usually involve the top corporations, will come in and circumvent democracy. How yeah. do you find candidates, your candidates? How do you find people, men, women, who will be for, of, and by the people, because these lobbyists come in and corrupt? And as Kel Glare said, I said at the beginning of the show, absolute power corrupts. And if you've got the top job, prime minister, president, and they come along, or, or you get there with the best of intentions, and as a woman I interviewed who was a former Nazi with the South African Navy now reformed, said to me, nice guys get voted in, and then once they get voted in, they get taken into a back room. I don't know if they hold a gun to their head or show them a video, but it's explained to them exactly who they work for at that moment. And from that point on, they're not the guy you voted for. So that's my fear with democracy.
2: I've heard, I've heard that anecdote, but I've heard that story before from somewhere as well. Not not from not from yourself, but from somewhere right. else where you you get elected and then you get told how things run, how it, yeah. how things are run, and this is how it's going to be. And, and you either work. comply, yeah, and whoever yeah. You, you comply, or, you, or you're gone.
1: And it ain't us, right? No, <laughs> yeah.
2: why would it be us?
1: the police. Look at the police in the UK, right? It's same in America, same here, but it says to serve and protect, right? And what did we grow up thinking? Well, obviously, it's to serve and protect us. No. Look at the uniform. They're covered in the checks for the Freemasons. Oxford University floor is covered in the black and white checks for the Freemasons. In fact, some of the floors in the halls in Oxford University have a swastika on them. They're all joined up, so you wouldn't know they're swastikas, but they are. And okay. it's on the black and white flooring and it's on the policemen's helmets and on their uniforms. They're not here to serve and protect us. No, they're there to serve and protect the money, the people that really run the corporations of our countries. And everyone has acted in 21 and 22 and 23, particularly in Australia, really surprised, like, oh, apparently Australia's been a corporation and it's, you know, listed in America as a business. Yeah, it's it's been like that for decades. Right. Yeah. They've turned us all into corporations, which means what? Money takes precedence over people. Yeah. And until we can change money taking precedence over people, the only thing we can do down here on the ground, it's like the Hunger Games, is fight to survive and try and help each other because we're fighting against what is um, a biased, corrupt justice system, biased and corrupt family court systems, if you've ever experienced those in oh. Australia. My God, they are shocking That's for children. Terrible. You know, and, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's not what we think it is. Now, I'm of the opinion that a lot of our older relatives, particularly in Australia, my husband's older Greek relatives, they're in their 90s. I said, these people must never find out what's gone on here. You know, they must never know the truth that they've been tricked by their government because to work their entire lives and pay off their homes and run businesses, to find out that it was all based on a lie... And they might think they're going to be able to leave it to their kids and it might all get whipped away. They mustn't know because this stuff is so unbelievable and so shocking that even for us who are younger, it's hard to come to terms with.
0: And it's always divide and conquer. They always use that. They play everyone off each other and and they don't want people unifying. when We're all one people at the end of the day. Yeah. And uh, if if we did unify, then, you know, how could they possibly stop us? But yeah. We probably probably should wrap it up there. Now, can you let everyone know how they find the White Rabbit Podcast and and keep up to date with everything that you're doing?
1: Um, So the best way to find it is to go to my Twitter, at bark 88 and there's a link on there in my bio. It's behind a paywall for a very simple reason. I was deplatformed from Spotify, um, and, and that was not monetized. And so if you monetize something because, as I said, We live in a corporatized world. If something is making money, it's less likely to be deplatformed. So you can jump on for a dollar a month, a pound a month. Um, Cheaper than the Herald Sun. So knock yourself (laughs) out and swallow a truth pill every now and then.
0: So that's on Patreon, is it?
1: Patreon, yeah. It's pretty good so far. But all my conservative friends in America are worried they're going to deplatform me, but I'll come back somewhere else if they do that.
2: Yeah, because I lost you on Podbean. I was following you on Podbean. That was and through then, Spotify, yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that a podbean Spotify, is it?
1: Yeah, it was through Spotify. Ah, and so I think it was um, they, they were very unhappy. I got a message. I did a podcast called The Great Poisoning. I'm sure you can imagine why they were upset by that.
0: Yeah, what was it called? Sorry? The Great Poisoning.
1: Great Poisoning. Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay, uh, before you go, I've got I've got a quick question. Elon Musk, friend or foe.
1: A... I'm still on the fence. I'm still on the fence. He's a very clever guy. And here's the thing. They did this in Mao's China, right? If you wanted to isolate and identify your smartest, most intellectual and worrisome enemies, give them freedom of speech. Mm. That's where we are.
0: You're not meant to scare us on the last... <laughs>
1: uh, on, that note, <laughs> on, that note,
2: on that note, we're all laughing and camera. on that note. That was amazing. So we should, uh, we should, that should have been the last point. But Stephen,
0: come on, mate. <laughs> come on, give us a little bit of hope, something to strive for. something. To...
1: I will give you hope. I will give you something to strive for. We are the 99%. And as Stephen said, if we all stick together, you know, My husband's Greek. I'm half German, half Brazilian. I've got three kids. One of them is gay. Um, If gay, straight, trans, black, white, Italian, Greek, European, American, we all club together, and we are. You can see that we are. We've all had enough. Nobody cares who's what anymore. Um, Then they can't do this to us. We have a massive power, and it's the power to say no. And a law just got passed in Slovenia yesterday, That is a civil right to still use cash, even after they bring in the digital ID and digital currency. So we need to strive for things like that because cash is our freedom. So, I mean, look, we're doing this podcast. There are so many fantastic people around. And unlike them, we're not driven by money. We have to exist in their monetized world. uh, But we put people first and there are more good people and there always will be more good on this planet than evil. And that's why they will expire, hopefully, very, very soon. Oh, awesome.
0: That's better.
2: Now, I'm full of hope. <laughs> now I've got a big smile on my face and I'm full of hope. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Nicola, that's thank fine. you very much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. And good luck with everything that you're doing with the uh, White Rabbit Podcast. Hopefully we can have you back on again in the future to thank keep you. up to date with everything that's happening. Thank you, Adam, again, for uh, tagging along as always. And thank you, everyone, for watching. Uh, It's been a pleasure to uh, do this podcast and uh, get this information out there. So if you've enjoyed this, please share it around to everyone that you know, and we'll see you next time.
2: See ya.